Open your Bible to Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16. We're going to begin around verse number 9. But I wanted to preach on something else today. But the Holy Spirit has me stuck on one thought and one thought only. And that's the thought that it is your season for breakthrough. It is your season for breaking through a thing and beginning into another. It's your season for getting from one side of the river to the other side of the river. It's your season for getting from one side of the valley to another side of the valley. It's your season from receiving it's your season for receiving the promise of God that rests so strongly in your spirit that you know at some point in time you're going to deliver. If you think about a mother, this is a very interesting thing for a mom to understand because what happens is, is in the beginning, uh, you get pregnant and not much changes in your life. You just know because of the little test or because what the doctor says that there is something on the inside of you. And oftentimes God will deposit a dream or an idea on the inside of you. And that dream or idea on the inside of you doesn't change your immediate surroundings. And the only reason that you know that it exists is because God said it. The only reason you know it exists is because the Bible said it. If you take a birth control or not a birth control, but a birth test, a pregnancy test, and you look at it and you read it, there's nothing about your life immediately necessarily that you can tell that you're pregnant, but it says it, therefore you believe it, and that's what we've got to do with God. Now, the interesting thing is when God deposits something in your life, it doesn't mean that it's immediately going to change, but sooner or later, things start to be different. You can't listen to the same things you used to listen to. You can't eat the same way you used to eat. You can't sit around the same way you used to eat. You can't wear the same clothes you used to wear. Everything in your life begins to get different as the dream on the inside of you grows and develops and begins to get arms and legs and changes and you go to the doctor and the doctor keeps telling you you need to relax and you need to rest and you need to sit down and you need to put your feet up and you need to not be stressed out and you need to make sure that everything's okay and things start to accumulate and and your whole body changes and your life changes and then finally Finally, you get to the place in the season where it's almost time for you to deliver this dream. It's almost time for you to press through and get the breakthrough that you need. And you know with everything that's on the inside of you that you're feeling movement. You're feeling something change. And you go to the doctor and the doctor says, nope, you need to go back and put your feet up. These are not real contractions. So many times in our life we get to the place where we're ready for God to just shove us out there and we want to do everything we can do, but it's not really time for it. It's just time for you to continue to prepare and get ready. But there will be a day when you go to the doctor, when you go to the hospital, when you get to that moment where the same doctor, the same nurse, the same professional that has told you to calm down and relax, everything begins to speed up and they start tying stuff to your arms and getting ready and the same doctor who told you to relax for nine straight months, now says, push. There is a season for breakthrough. And in that season, though it gets to the place where everything begins to uh, accumulate to one moment and one time where everything else in your life, you were supposed to just relax and rest and hang on and it's okay and all this other stuff. Now everything shifts and it's time to push. 
What I'd like to say this morning is many of you are going through things. Many of you have been dealing with something. You've had a dream on the inside of you for months, if not years, and you've been developing and you've been preparing for it. And there's been seasons in your life where you thought, well, maybe it's that time and then it didn't happen. Or maybe it's this time and it didn't happen. And the whole time you've just sensed in your spirit that the thing that you ought to do is relax. The things that you ought to do is just wait upon the Lord. But there is a season... When it's time to push. Many of you are there right now. You're on the verge of something great and miraculous happening in your life. You're on the verge of something changing your entire family dynamic. You're on the verge of something changing every family member that you've ever spoken to. You're on the verge of something changing your entire city block. And God's saying push. God's saying, it doesn't matter. I understand it's not as comfortable as it once was. It's time to push. God's saying, I understand it's not as easy as it once was. It's time to push. Everything about God has seasons. Everything about God has timing. And if you push too early, things will mess up. But if you'll get it, if you push at the right time, things move forward. Acts chapter number 16. We're going to read a lot of the Bible this morning because we believe it. Acts chapter number 16 and verse 9. This is Paul and Silas and they're they're going about to some of the churches that they had established, checking on them to see how things were going. And verse number 9 says, A vision came to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Which means God spoke to Paul and told him where to go. Verse 10 says, And after he'd seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. So not only did they hear from God, but they were obedient to the voice of God. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we went we came with a straight course to Samothracia into the next day, uh, and the next day to Neapolis and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of the part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days, which means God deposited a dream. God deposited a word. God deposited a seed on the inside of Paul. Paul was obedient to that seed. And the Bible said made a straight course, which means he didn't flounder about the decision, which means when God tells you to do something, don't be the kind of person that flounders, Jonah, about whether or not you're going to go or whether or not you're going to stay, whether or not you're going to go where God says or whether or not you're not going to go where God says. God has established a place for you. He's established the next thing for you. The the thing that you're in right now where you're looking at it, trying to figure out how am I going to get from one to the other? Well, here's the scenario. You make a straight course and let God make the way. Everything in your life changes when you choose to be knee-jerk obedient to God. Everything in your life changes adversely when you choose Choose not to be knee-jerk obedient to God. So the Bible says that they went to Philippi, which is the chief part of Macedonia, and they were there for a few days. Verse number 13. And on, on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a river, where prayer was wont to be made, meaning seemed like a good place to seemed like a good place to pray. And we sat down and spoke unto the women which resorted there, to the ladies that were there. They preached. So God tells them, I want you to go to Macedonia. They got up immediately, went to Macedonia, and began to do what God had equipped them to do, which was preach the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. Verse number 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, 
whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Which means a certain woman. It's imperative for you and to me to obey God for several reasons. One of those reasons is quite simple. There are people in your future who God has established a divine moment and a divine time for you to talk to, for you to have influence in, for you to have uh, 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 to, to benefit their life with the good news of the gospel. And if you don't do it, that person will be waiting on you to show up and you will not. There was a certain woman... Another time the Bible says that Jesus was walking and he looked over and there was a certain man who was sitting on a porch and he was waiting next to a pool called the pool of Bethesda where the Bible says that an angel would come down and trouble the waters of this pool. How many of you know that sometimes in your life when the waters are troubled, that means miracles are about to break out? I don't sleep all that well sometimes, and usually when I don't, it's because the Lord's dealing with me. And I have an office at my house, and the other day, I went up to my office about 1 o'clock in the morning, and, and as I walked in the office, I turned the lights on, and I sensed the spirit of fear. Now, I don't know about you guys, but, but I know the spirit of fear. I've been, he, he's, he showed up more than once in my life. It's not really a surprise to me when he gets there. But one of the things that I have uh, trained myself to do, that I've trained my, my mind, will, and emotions, which is my soul, is to get excited whenever I sense this kind of nonsense show up in my life. Because I know when I have an adversary, I have have the victory. If I don't have an adversary, I'm just sitting wherever I'm sitting. But if I can get an opponent that comes against me, I know it's because he's fixing to break. I know it's because he's fixing to break something big out in my life and little he doesn't want it to happen. So I'm walking in my office, I turn the lights on, and I thought, oh man, look at that. And I kind of, you know, you get the chill bumps, and I was like, oh, and man, I just started speaking in tongues, and I was like, this is going to be a great week. I can't wait. And less than, you know, 2.5 seconds later, everything clears up, and I'm just, just me and Jesus again, and everything's all hunky-dory. But the thing is, most oftentimes, miracles break out when the water is troubled. Now, if you don't believe the Bible, that's your problem. But if you do believe the Bible, you got to understand for lack of knowledge, my people perish. So many times, so many Christians have been taught the idea that when things get rough, you must be out of line. Well, look, you need to look in the mirror, weigh yourself, make sure you're not involved in sin. And what sin does most oftentimes is it opens the door to nonsense in your life. It opens the door for things to come in your life that aren't positive. But Either way, as you go through this life, we've got to understand that when the water is troubled, miracles are on the horizon. When the water is troubled, when you're feeling the pressure, when you're feeling the heat, when you're feeling the stress, listen, a mama goes into the delivery room knowing it might not be pleasant, but she's not coming out without that miracle baby. Everything in your life changes when you get the perspective of as soon as I sense, as soon as I understand, as soon as it comes to my attention that I have some adversarial attention, now I know the victory is imminent. Now I know everything begins to change. So the Bible says that they go and this certain woman is sitting there. And, and uh, 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 Paul and Silas began to speak to her and, and preach the word of God. And the Bible says that she believes. Well, another interesting thing about this lady, the Bible says that she's a businesswoman. 
So ladies, young ladies, please don't let any preacher or anybody else tell you there's something that you cannot do. Some of the best preachers in the world are ladies. Some of the best prophets in the world that have the best word that also can flow in compassion are ladies. Now, I understand that there are scriptures that lay out different things and and that's all well and good. But his Bible says this. He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. So moms, you're not second rate anything. On the contrary, all we are is a rough draft and you are perfection. Good job. But either way, we go through this life and we get to the place where we understand that there are certain people in our future that are waiting for us. They are waiting for us to get there and their victory and their their future may hang in the balance. Verse 15. And when she was baptized and her household. When she was baptized and her household. Mom, if you're believing God for that son or that daughter, keep believing God. Mom, if you're believing God for that, that uh, uh, cousin, that niece, that nephew, keep believing God. Because at the right time, in the right season, God is going to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on them that they will say, that's what my mom talked about. That's what my dad talked about. That's what changed my entire perspective was the fact that in the midst of the valley, my parents, my mom kept speaking blessings over me. She led her whole household into the faith. She besought us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful, Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained them. And she constrained us. Here's the interesting thing about Lydia. Not only was she a successful businesswoman, not only was she filled with God, not only did she lead her entire family into the kingdom of God, not only did she, she follow after the disciples, as soon as her life changed, she said, how can I be a blessing to the kingdom. If you want to know the secret to the kingdom, if you want to know the secret to the kingdom of God, be a blessing to somebody. Pour into somebody's lives. I know I said it earlier, but moms, find a young lady and pour into her life. And when she acts crazy, pour into her life. And when she says something you know is out of whack, pour into her life. Here's the difference that that can make in your life. There is a time for everything. This woman, Lydia, had her certain moment when Paul and Silas showed up. How many times does the testimony of a young person sound like this? I was just going about my life and all of a sudden I just felt convicted. I felt like I couldn't do the things that I should have and I went to McDonald's and there was a lady behind me and whenever I didn't have enough change in my pocket to pay pay for the Big Mac or the salad or whatever, then the person behind me says, I can do it. And we sat down and had lunch and they told me how much God loved me and God sent that person there. There is a certain person in the future of your loved ones. And here's the way you get to that. You reap what you sow. If you're believing God for your son or your daughter, find somebody else's son or daughter and pour into them. If you're believing God for your uh, uh, cousin or your nephew, find somebody else's cousin or nephew and pour into them. She took them to their house and she fed them. And verse number 16 says, It came to pass when we went to pray, they went to go pray, a certain damsel possessed with a devil, 
with a spirit of, uh, of uh, divination, which means she could soothsay, she could see the future. Brought her masters much uh, gain. She made them a lot of money by fortune telling. Uh, this is probably not as prevalent and popular as it once was. But soothsaying, fortune telling, reading cards, uh, uh, all those things are of the devil. All those things are wicked. They are demonic. They can even be accurate in some things. There is a spirit that gives people the ability to see into the future. Uh, everything that, that, that the devil does is counterfeit of what God can do. Uh, it's, it's not, it doesn't have the same power, but he does have some power. Okay, he's not, he's not powerless. So at the same time, if you, if you ever are, are in a situation where somebody pulls out some tarot cards or, or, or wants to read you know, a bunch of horoscopes and start hanging their life on that, start thinking, well, I'm a cancer, I'm this, I'm whatever, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You know, all that stuff is from the pit of hell, just to be clear. So the Bible says that this lady walked around and she brought her, she made the, the people that she worked for a lot of money by telling the future. And I don't know if she was betting on games or I don't know what it was, how she was doing it. But the same followed Paul and us and cried saying, these men are servants of the Most High God, which show us the way into salvation. This lady is possessed with a devil following Paul and Cyrus around saying, these guys are showing the way to the kingdom. These guys are doing it. Everybody who shouts anything about God is not necessarily with God. Everybody who talks about how good God is, but then they start out of the same mouth, talk about how God's doing this and God's doing that, or they start to put God on a shelf with all their other idols. i never forget, I went to school with a, a bunch of guys from India, and they were good friends of mine. They, 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 they were very nice, hospitable, and uh, they were Hindu. And I remember one time, I, I was, we were studying, it was real late at night, and I, I just felt, you know, I really wanted to really go for it. I, I'd witnessed to them a hundred million times, but, but I wanted to go for it tonight. So I had a, a chalkboard, and I filled the the entire chalkboard up from left to right, top to bottom with the scripture and showed them how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I showed them how the cross split time and I told them all these other things and they were like, oh man, that's incredible. And they were like, man, we want to we know this God. I said, well, let's pray. And then they go to church with me the next Sunday and we're sitting at church and you know the preacher doesn't even get to the altar call yet. And they're like, can we go up there now? They just want to get saved and make sure of it. And they get up there and they get saved and then the next day they come to, they come to school and they've got uh, the, the red dot on their head and they've got a bunch of stuff and they've got these other little gods that they carried around. I said, wait a minute, brother. I, I said, I said, I thought, I thought that you wanted to be a Christian. And he said to me, he said, he said, I do, but I want to be Hindu also. And I thought, well, wait a minute. I said, let me explain this to you. I said, I said, my God, our God, the Jewish God, the Christian God, he's a one and only God. You can't serve multiple gods. You have to get rid of these and have him. You can't have any other God except him. And, and the reality was, is it was so far-fetched in his mind. It was so far-fetched in his idea. But if he, if we wanted to plug him into the equation, I could easily see him talking about how good God is. Now, granted, he would also talk about how good the 8,000 Hindu gods were. He just would have said our God was good too. So everybody that talks about the goodness of God is not necessarily with God and for God. So the Bible says, and, and she did this many days, verse number 18. 
But Paul, being grieved, which is a very interesting word, it actually means being annoyed, turns and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out of her that very same hour. In the name of Jesus. Did you know when you speak to something in the name of Jesus, everything in your life has to change? When you speak to something in the name of Jesus, when, when somebody, one of the reasons that the devil wants Jesus and, and Jesus Christ to be used as a cuss word is because it wants you and me who have been made in the likeness and image of God to be desensitized to the most powerful name that has ever existed and will ever exist. He wants you and me to be desensitized to it where when somebody stubs their toe, they use the name that's above every name and it comes out as a four-letter word instead of coming out with the hell-shaking, demon-chasing name that it really is. So in your life, you have the opportunity. And oftentimes, we don't want to knee-jerk the reaction and do it. But when something comes in your life, when you begin to get a bad report, the very first thing you ought to do is say, In the name of Jesus, I command that this report turn around. And you say, well, what happens if it doesn't turn around? I would say the same thing again. And if it doesn't turn around again, I would say the same thing again. And you get to the point where your reaction becomes aggressive in the spirit instead of thinking that everything that is spoken over me or into me has to exist and manifest before I get the victory. Some things you can just speak to. And if you'll do it by faith, everything will change. This lady is following him, screaming out, Oh, these guys are holy men. They're really doing it. And Paul, he's probably thinking, I don't need you to help me preach. I am a very good preacher. Paul said at one point, he called the gospel my gospel. He said, you know, my gospel. He, he, he personalized the whole thing. So he probably thought himself pretty, pretty good at what he did. And he looks around and he says, Now you listen to me, devil. You get out of this woman right now. Well, the minute you start to do that, did you know you're going to lose some people in your life? Aren't you glad you came to church on Sunday? You're going to lose friends. Here's the deal. Everything in your life ought to be looked at through the lens of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And when something comes against you, on the inside of you, you ought to knee-jerk that name that the highest price imaginable was paid so that you could access. Paul looked at the woman and said, In the name of Jesus came out, come out of her. And that same hour, meaning that moment, the devil came out of her. And here's the deal. I kind of go two ways on this story. One, she was a, a full-blown, uh, she was full-blown into witchcraft and she was just trying to annoy him and maybe she was trying to pick up because I, I, they were doing miracles everywhere, which means there was big offerings everywhere because if your daughter was laying dead and Paul comes and heals your daughter, raises her from the dead, you'll give, you'll give him anything that you can think of. Just the way it is with the kingdom. Same thing with Jesus. So the same scenario is uh, she's sitting there and she's following him around. It's possible because obviously she was trying to use all these things for gain. She might have been trying to tap into the resources that she was seeing Paul. So she could have been wicked. But the other side of it is, is she could have been possessed, wanting to get free and crying out, crying out. And Paul wasn't so busy that he didn't hear the voice of somebody crying. And he says, come out of her in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says when the masters, meaning the people that she worked for, 
that hope their ga- saw that the hope of their gains was gone. They caught Paul and Silas and drugged them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, meaning they brought them to the guys who made the decision. It says, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being as we are Romans, meaning they're teaching things that are not in line with what we should do. And the Bible says that the multitude rose up against them and the magistrates rent their clothes off and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Well, can we backtrack for just a second? Paul and Silas are on a crusade, winning people for God. They are going and checking on churches that have been established. They are filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul just met Timothy right before, uh, right before this. Everything is going great, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God gives Paul a dream and says, you need to go to Macedonia and preach, at which point Paul goes, okay, the Spirit of God spoke to me. Straightway, we're going to Macedonia, and we're going to preach. And they get there, and they come across a certain woman who's a successful businesswoman, and they teach, they preach the gospel to her. She believes it. Her household gets saved. Everything's great up to this point. Paul's walking along and some demon-possessed lady is bothering him. The scripture says is annoying him. And out of his spirit, he rises up and says, in the name of Jesus, come out. Now this woman who was possessed by the devil is set free, but everybody goes crazy. God said, go to Macedonia. Paul said, yes, sir. God said, preach when you get there. Paul said, yes, sir. God ministered to a certain woman who had a divine appointment. And, and Paul, God said, minister to a certain woman who has a divine appointment with me by a river. And Paul said, yes, sir. God said, deliver that young girl who's being abused and used by some other people and is possessed by the devil. And Paul said, yes, sir. Where did it get him? Beat and thrown in prison. When the waters are troubled... Your miracle is on the horizon. When you believe God and you do what God says, listen to me, it's not all tiptoeing through the tulips. If that's what you want, you can have that also. But if you want the victory, you've got to go through the battle. If you want the victory, you've got to obey God. If you want the victory, you've got to say yes when the Spirit moves. Verse 23 says, When they'd laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer, meaning telling the jailer, the the guy who kept the prison guard, to keep them safely. Don't let them go. Verse 24 says, Who, having received such a charge thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks, meaning they tied their legs down. They didn't just take them and throw them in jail. They threw them in the inner prison. They threw them in a place that was made for murderers. And all they did was come bring the good news. All they did was save a family. All they did was set a demon-possessed woman free. All they'd done is obey God from the 
minute the Lord spoke. Threw them into the inner prison, made their feet fast in the stocks. Verse number 25. And in the darkest moment, you don't get darker than midnight. Midnight is between night and day. It's when the the earth is is turned completely away from the sun, which means unless there's a, a moon out, there is literally, uh, you're, you have the least chance of having daylight. You have the least chance of perceiving the breakthrough. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Many of you are in your midnight hour right now. Or you think you are. Two weeks from now you may find out it's only like 7.30. (laughs) No offense, but it might get a little worse. Is it okay to just teach what the Bible says? It might get a little worse. You say, well... Getting beat's not something I'm interested in. No, me either. I want the victory. And if that's where the victory is, then that's where I want to be. Paul and Silas at midnight, the Bible said, began to pray and sing praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. The prisoners heard them. In the Greek, it says they listened to them intently. Jesus, when he was crucified, the Bible said, led captivity captive. What if God said, I want all those guys in prison to hear my gospel. And I need somebody I can trust to not turn away from me if all hell breaks loose in their life. So the Bible says that they began to sing and they began to just have a praise and worship session and they just began to worship God and love God and pray. And verse number 26 says it like this. Couldn't be preached better than how King James says it. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all doors were opened and everyone's bands were loose. Many of us in the room right now, you're praying for yourself to be loosed. And that is a valiant thing. God wants you free. But when God sets you free, wouldn't it be great if everybody around you was set free too? Wouldn't it be great if your whole family was set free? There was an earthquake. The foundations of the prison. What's that mean? Jesus Christ is the stone that the builder rejected that became the cornerstone. He is the foundation for everything. Just the same. There is a foundation of sin. And when the good news of the gospel of the kingdom comes in, that foundation is shaken. That foundation is nearly destroyed in those moments and in those times. And the the key is, when that time gets difficult, when it seems to be the most straining and the most hard, 
That's when God says, now I'm ready. You and me, we're going through things. All of us all the time. A mom carries that baby. Nine months. Don't touch me. I'm, I'm pregnant. When, 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 when you're driving in a car, you start wearing the seatbelt different because you don't want the seatbelt here. And when somebody slams on the brakes, instead of before, you used to put your hands on the dash. Now you go like this. You're protecting that dream that's on the inside of you. You're saying, leave me alone. I'm going to deliver this thing and I'm going to deliver it healthy in the right season and the right time. And you go through and you go to the doctor and they check and everything's good. Blood pressure good. Everything's good. And you sit there and the doctor said, now make sure you're getting enough rest. Make sure you put your feet up. Make sure everything like this. And you're preparing, you're preparing, you're preparing. And you go and you meet the certain woman by the river and you give her the good news. And you're like, man, I love carrying this dream. Everything is so good. My life is just raised. I just love the Lord. Everything's good. And then some demoniac person follows you and boom, lightning comes out of your fingertips and the devil runs off and everything's great. And you're just carrying this dream. And then you find yourself in the innermost prison and you know you've done what God said to do. It's in that season. It's in that moment when it's delivery time. Your breakthrough is at hand. What's your job? Push. The same doctor, the great physician, which all your life has said to you, my peace I leave with you. Relax. Don't worry about it. Don't worry what the bird, the birds don't worry what they're going to eat. You don't worry what you're going to eat. He closed the flowers in the field. Of course, he's going to give you clothes. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Then you get in the moment where you're tied and you're locked in prison and God says, push. Can you push? Can you press through for the breakthrough so that everybody behind you can be free? What if your whole family is watching you? I've had people say this to me. One of the most convicting things I've ever heard. I watched you. And because you didn't go back, I decided to try God. I watched you. And because these good things kept happening in your life, and even when something bad happened, you didn't just go crazy. I watched you. What if they're all watching you? The Bible says that the prisoners listened intently. To Paul and Cyrus. Cyrus, Cyrus, Cyrus. As we go through life, remember, at the midnight hour, when the waters are most troubled, your breakthrough is right on the horizon. Amen. Stand to your feet if you would. Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info.